Welcome back to the ABC of Fitam. Hello from me too. We're back. We are back again. Again. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that we will be back? Not only with one show. But with more shows. Yeah. It's impressive, no? It's the second show since we're back. And we're doing very well. Millions of viewers. Yeah. The numbers are crazy. And, and rising as we speak. People were ex- people were expe- were waiting. They were waiting. They, I mean, I had at least three people who told me, "Come on, you have to do more podcasts." I know. Podcast, by the way, a letter. Ah, a letter. Ah, the letter. A word starting with a P. Which is the letter of the week? The letter of the week is P. P. We we are P for podcast. P for. We're very worried to say P with too much. Um, like rigor. Yes, because we don't have popper stoppers for our microphones. Yes, and it might pop. Yeah, and so we have we have to be careful not to pop you too much. That's part of the experience. Yeah, it's like you, this is a letter P, so you have to experience this popping sensation. <laughs> okay, let's let's go to a song. Yes. So, we're back. There are so many words. It's a bit, like, actually a bit scary, this episode. It's the opposite of uh, the problem that we will have uh, in the next show. With the Q. Which is Q, and there is hardly anything. (laughs) But um, with the P, we have a lot of things for you today. So many things. Yes, exciting. Shall we start? Yes, let's start. 
So the first uh, word of the day Yes Is Yes Poetry Oh, poetry Oh You know What a sweet beginning Yeah, we're like a wh- wholesome show <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Very wholesome Um, Interesting, because poetry Okay, there are like some big elephants in the room First elephant, we have poetry of the week as a segment for this show probably the least fa- the least popular part of our show do you think so i don't know i mean maybe it causes some kind of confusion as to why we would want to have poetry right? in the show yeah because, because we are you know political and um kind of meta meta and a bit like uh you know like mm-hmm. ironic and like we don't mean what we're saying Whereas poetry is really sincere. Yeah, and really like emotional. Yes. So, First but, of all. but <laughs> the fact that we have that in mm. our show mm-hmm. shows that we are not all these things that people suppose. Mm-hmm. We are more complicated than that. Thank God. <laughs> Imagine. It's difficult for people to believe that there are complicated people. Most people think that people are just stupid. It's the problem of um, documenta, new media, new media. Yeah, everybody TikTok. Everybody just wants like a single narrative. So going into poetry, first of all, we are both experts on this field. We are like strongly related <laughs> to that. Yeah, I mean, I did a PhD with poetics in. And kind of you too. I kind of did too. Mm-hmm. So it's because difficult. for me it's like it's like because I did I did film poetry, which is like this kind yeah. of translatability thing about mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. how do you take poetic concepts and apply them or forms or whatever and apply mm-hmm. them to another medium. So it's more like poetry as a method rather than poetry as an aesthetic, like. Look, there are very many. I'm not gonna like start talking about my PhD now. There are very many different approaches yeah. that people take on that. But yeah. the whole point is that there is some kind of, you know, bringing together m- two different media with two different histories and so on. Yeah. And um, when I tell people that I do that, they imagine that uh, film poetry should be something like black and white. Yeah. Uh, there is someone looking at the window. <laughs> yeah. And the wind is taking their hair, and a slow motion fox jumps from <laughs> one thing to another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then the person turns around and says something very profound. Yeah. And I tried very much to make a case for it not to be that. Exactly. And I think. There is a real, people have a real, I mean, in Greece, I don't even want to go there because Greece is just like a literary, I don't know what to call it, a literary dump. Cesspool. Yes. (laughs) A literally (laughs) wasteland. Mm. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Nice poetic reference Mm -hmm. there. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We are the Greek poets. We are the hollow people. (laughs) Um, <laughs> and uh, but 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 even but even you know a- a- anywhere really, mm-hmm. people have a real hard time uh, around the methodolo- the methodology of poetry, right? Because there is this this kind of transcendence thing mm. connected to it mm-hmm. that they think oh because it's like this it's not 
you cannot really talk about it. Some yeah. like some stupid neo romantic shit. Yeah. And that's crap. It is crap. Because it doesn't let poetry kind of move on and like have a history and have a discourse. Mm. And it's it's really bizarre because the the actual legacy of like let's say avant-garde avant-garde poetry because you know poetry has moved on from that like neo-romanticism kind of semi-religious pastorality um like a hundred years ago but I feel like the legacy of avant-garde poetry is not within the popular imagination around poetry but is moved to other like spaces for example I think largely advertising is kind of has appropriated this kind of legacy of avant-garde poetry mm-hmm. for example like uh, you know just do it the nike um motto i think is one of the best and most popular poems of our kind of gener- of our era let's Ooh, say am i talking with kenneth goldsmith <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i mean and i feel like what you said is really really important like b- because you kind of capture this kind of essence of like what we mean about when we talk about poetry right like what why is that relevant to us sure and uh because it's not about this kind of you know abstract romanticism like not at all actually on the contrary i think for me not speaking from um, the intermediality aspect speaking about poetry as text for me, poetry is about the materiality of language. Mm-hmm. You know what you do with language that goes beyond communication or storytelling, mm-hmm. and that is something you know that will never be out of fashion uh, because it's about like it's a- as close to human condition as you know language is. Um, so yeah, <laughs> heavy, is it? <laughs> but actually, it's not. Actually, it's not. Because actually, the poetry we're interested in is funny and um, and preposterous and like bodily in a like really silly way, mm-hmm. and you know because we and w- spoken and 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 um, yeah, not part of de- life, not denying any part of life. Exactly, exactly. Yes. part of life, part of life. Yeah, um, not lo- not sublime. Tell them your poetry anecdote the poetry anecdote of the day um so because uh, you know over the years i've been organizing um uh, spoken word and poetry events and at some point um you know i was running this uh conference last year um uh, with queer ink called what is queer writing and as part of it uh um, we had this spoken word kind of uh, event and a friend of mine came and, and she told me it was really good um, and you you kept inviting me to these events and I didn't come to any of them because I thought it was poetry <laughs> so she she thought because it's poetry it would be rubbish crap yes um, what about some Sylvia Plath what about some Sylvia Plath okay let's listen to Sylvia Plath reading yeah This is the Poetry of the Week kind of segment. Daddy, you do not do, you do not do any more black shoe in which I have lived like a foot for 30 years, poor and white, barely daring to breathe or her chew. 
Daddy, I have had to kill you. You died before I had time. Marble heavy, a bag full of God, ghastly statue with one gray toe, big as a Frisco seal, and a head in the freakish Atlantic, where it pours bean green over blue in the waters off beautiful Nosset. I used to pray to recover you, ach du, in the German tongue in the Polish town, scraped flat by the roller of wars, wars, wars. But the name of the town is common. My Polak friend says there are a dozen or two. So I never could tell where you put your foot, your root. I never could talk to you. The tongue stuck in my jaw. It's stuck in a barbed wire snare. Eeh, 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 eeh. I could hardly speak. I thought every German was you. And the language obscene, an engine, an engine, chuffing me off like a Jew. A Jew to Dachau, Auschwitz, Belsen. I began to talk like a Jew. I think I may well be a Jew. The snows of the Tyrol, the clear beer of Vienna, are not very pure or true. With my gypsy ancestress and my weird luck and my Tarok pack and my Tarok pack, I may be a bit of a Jew. I have always been scared of you, with your Luftwaffe, your gobbledygoo, and your neat moustache and your Aryan eye, bright blue. Panzerman, Panzerman, oh you, not God, but a swastika, so black no sky could squeak through. Every woman adores a fascist, the boot in the face, the brute, brute heart of a brute like you. You stand at the blackboard, Daddy, in the picture I have of you, a cleft in your chin instead of your foot. But no less a devil for that, no not any less the black man who bit my pretty red heart in two. I was ten when they buried you. At twenty I tried to die and get back, back, back to you. I thought even the bones would do. But they pulled me out of the sack and they stuck me together with glue. And then I knew what to do. I made a model of you, a man in black with a mine camp look and a love of the rack and the screw. And I said, I do, I do. So, Daddy, I'm finally through. The black telephone's off at the root. The voices just can't worm through. If I've killed one man, I've killed two. The vampire who said he was you and drank my blood for a year, seven years, if you want to know. Daddy, you can lie back now. There's a stake in your fat black heart, and the villagers never liked you. They are dancing and stamping on you. They always knew it was you. Daddy, daddy, you bastard, I'm through. So we're back. We're back. Sylvia is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, not exactly happy. Some people actually might think that choosing Sylvia Plath is a bit like of a cliche, isn't it? Because it's like a, mm. you know, hurt teenager's favorite in a sense. Whatever. Or is it in my brain like that? In your brain. What kind, <laughs> of, what kind of teenagers <laughs> were you <laughs> reading Sylvia Plath? <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do um, Ezra Pound, which was a problematic alternative. 
Um, <laughs> we didn't do Ezra Pound, yeah. <laughs> because whatever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Problematic is the next word. It is the next word. It was a smooth transition. I'm well really done. I'm really good with this. Um, what does it mean? Dex problematic is almost a cliche nowadays. Uh-huh. I think. Um, uh, but it's you mean it's used more in uh, inverted in commas than in reality? I think so. <laughs> I think. Well, I don't know what kind of circles you <laughs> go around. <laughs> I mean, I used to unironically use problematic mm-hmm. uh, when I first moved to London a lot. Let's not assume that people know what okay. that is. It's a tool that that was used popularly when. 15 years ago? Yeah. I 10 think years ago? Let's say early z- uh, tens. Okay. And it meant that it was like a response to when someone was saying something that was not so thought about, let's say, not so thoroughly thought about. Yeah, exactly. Like, you you know, you haven't said something racist, you haven't some said something blatantly homophobic. Yeah. But you're not really saying something I stand behind. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's problematic. And is this kind of like, kind of micromanagement of, of like woke relationships? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to say to the other person you are racist because that's quite, you know, a heavy an statement. escalation. Yes. So you say, oh, what you said is a bit problematic. problematic. Don't you think it's a bit problematic? Yeah. <laughs> like, it problematizes things. <laughs> How do, wh- why do you think it, it fell out of fashion as a tool? I don't know. I mean, uh, has it fall out, fallen out of fashion? I mean, I think, mm. I think probably we're definitely already in the age of escalation when it I comes think, to, I think so. to uh, identity politics. Now it's like, you know, maybe you think for one second it's problematic, then you are about to write it's racist, and you co- end up calling someone and arranging a call out, <laughs> <laughs> and that happens within twenty seconds. Yeah, <laughs> so it's so not it's really like the the problematic area. So is problematic it? is like you know, like an old fashioned like mild spice. Whereas yeah. now everyone is like Chilean, like yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like. You remember back then when we had the second thought about something and we called it problematic. Yeah, and people would be like, oh, I can't believe she called me problematic. Yeah. So now <laughs> people call it out, call out like each other. And yeah, Nazis. now people would would kill for problematic. <laughs> problematic. <laughs> it's like Proble- nostalgia. And, and an, inbox, an inbox message that says it's problematic is a dream <laughs> of you know of <laughs> working together for a better world <laughs> mm-hmm. this is um, where we are now i didn't realize we would go this direction <laughs> with problematic yes uh, i mean the however at the same time once you know we should like look at what really did the whole problematic culture start because i'm wondering that whether mm. there is a you know we didn't just one day reach the whole Mm-mm. you know killing each other thing um i think but there is something insidious in in problematic in in a sense because it creates this culture of widespread um paranoia yeah exactly yeah. another p word oh beautiful um beautiful um because it, it's like it, it's 
the moment it's like a bit um, like Althusserian the moment they tell you is pro you're problematic your response is not no I'm not your response is like what have I done you know the Althusserian anecdote. I mean they wouldn't say you're problematic they would say what you said is problematic yeah yeah but I'm trying to create the the Althusserian argument like w when someone like slaps you in the street your reaction is not n to slap back but it's like what have I done yeah right exactly so th this kind of and that's how ideology works and according uh, to Aldous because so. problematic is is a very tricky thing mm. and and I and I have a, a similar feeling if you want with uh, a term like toxic mm. again what does that mean like mm. they are terms that are used in identity politics to not really say what you want to say mm. which is this person has done this mm -hmm. this person has said something racist yeah yeah is it racist or is it not racist? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If it is racist, then you should call it Good. what it is. Yeah, if if it. you're saying that it's problematic but it isn't racist, then what does it mean that it possibly opens an area that could mis be misinterpreted? Then you're going into that whole paranoia thing that you yeah, described. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's less about... It's like the relativism wars. <laughs> yeah, and it's less about you know, some form of accountability is more about like some widespread culture of like suspicion. Suspicion, yes, yes. And when, of course, there is just suspicion everywhere in the left, the alt-right. Ah, and the sociopaths also. like has fun. And the sociopaths have great, you time. know, of uh, abuse mm. the, the use of, of such terms. And, and yeah, and such climate probably like, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess problematic uh, is near all that stuff that were happening around the early tens, uh, like trigger warning and stuff like that. All that, all that stuff that mm. are are non-committal, if yeah, you want. Yeah. So I think, in a sense, like okay, there is this escalation now in terms of like the actual like culture of the left or whatever. But at the same time, I feel like Gen Z is more kind of interested in specificity and, and they're more pragmatic pra pragmatic <laughs> i see what you do there yes <laughs> thank you um they are i think maybe maybe i mean not not in a way to like you know valorize pragmatism or whatever or gen z but like there is some sort of shift there in kind of towards yeah because they had enough a little bit with the millennials that are all this is problematic that's problematic that's what they re they read too many articles and yeah can't make up their mind in the end what is what's the way to to act mm -hmm. very good okay song <laughs> song
personal is political. Το ίδιο θύμα, το ίδιο θέμα. Peace play. Pangolin. We're back. You're listening to the ABC of Ita. Letter of the week is your favorite podcast in the whole universe. <laughs> we're back. It's 2020 and we're back with a van vengeance. Yes, with a vanguard. <clears throat> How do you feel that this show continues? I'm very confident that this is um, a good direction for us. Okay. It's the least successful project of FITA by a large margin mm-hmm. and the project we've committed the most time of our lives. No. No, no. The opera. No. The opera was a bit. And other things. But. Let's just say uh, a project that we've continued with uh, loyalty over time. Over time. That's what I meant. Yes. Not like total And especially hours, considering yeah. how few people actually like listen to literally less than 10 people <laughs> it's not like that <laughs> but yeah um <coughs> this is our gift to the world it's of like the future a, a, yeah like um how you call it like an arc <laughs> so what is the next word um it's a very usually we try to you know, to be a bit transhistorical because people are listening to this in different times and blah, uh-huh. blah. But this word is very specific to the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, wor- it's the word pangolin. Pangolins. First of all, do you know what a pangolin is? It's an animal. Yeah. Did you know what a pangolin was? No. <laughs> it sounds like a trampoline or something. <laughs> yeah. I thought it would be like... I don't know, something for the gym. (laughs) But the pangolin Mm -hmm. led to the pandemic. Another P word. Um, And everybody was was blaming the bats, but actually it was the pangolin's (laughs) fault. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the pangolin has eaten a bat. Okay. So you can still blame the bat a little bit. The, The bat had the virus. Yeah. Where did the bat get get the virus? So apparently bats, they carry lots of different types of cor- coronaviruses in their saliva. Why? Because, I don't know, but they don't get sick by it, but they pass it to other like um, mammals that they get sick from it. So anybody who eats a bat gets sick? No, but like, first of all, you know, how much meat is there in a bat? Yeah, but apparently there is enough meat for the pangolin to be ill. <laughs> yes. And then the person eats the pangolin, the rich person. And? Because it's an expensive delicacy. Is it a big animal? I think it's not very big. I think it's like uh, the equivalent of a large... Squirrel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But... Um, and Here we are. Pandemic. And the people <coughs> complain that the <coughs> end of the world. 
Kala, there is this thing that, like, you know, the racist thing, like, why do Chinese people eat these animals? <laughs> shouldn't um, be eaten. We're not even going to go there. No. No. Would you like to sing a song for the pangolin? I think that's the m- most appropriate ending of this. Uh, no, this I don't want to end it. You want more pangolin? I want to explain uh, some things after your song. Okay. Okay, I will sing. Go. Verte mueno a pangolino Ya na dite pospono Kistera tha gino crino Kistera ego thajazo what I'm interested in in in, in <laughs> talking about is yeah. the whole this whole pandemic thing and how ah, the right. world went in crazy mm-hmm. um, because anybody could get it mm. and uh, I'm wondering if we could talk not very heavily about mm. the AIDS crisis. Mm. Do you Absolutely. think we could talk lightly about the AIDS crisis? Thanks. It is a little <laughs> bit of a difficult topic. Lightly, <laughs> I, I mean, the, because if we open this discussion, it's like it's 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 going to be like it's gonna last the whole show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm thinking how. Um, but it's interesting as a pan- pandemic is a word that we are discussing, besides pangolin, um, um, and I think you know for for most people, pandemic is you know this new thing, but for queer people and specifically for gay men, um, yeah, there is this huge not so ancient um history of a global pandemic mm-hmm. um and and of loss and of uh, uh stigmatization mm-hmm. and so on yeah. and of othering and you know stories of um you know peop- uh, doctors not touching patients and shit like you know, that of, l- of losing time like you know how people say like oh this is the lost uh, a lost uh, year of our lives in and for like gay men in the, you know in the in the eighties it was like a lost generation yeah of people. exactly like um exactly like w- the, the real kind of sense of lost time and like and even for the survivors like if you've lost all of your friends uh, who were like your your you know chosen family and basically like such a such a kind of vacuum um like a light <laughs> discussion. <laughs> light discussion. <laughs> That's why I was saying that I wanted I wanted to just mention it and not go really heavy into it. <laughs> okay. Um, no, all, uh, all all I'm just saying is that it's it's it would be interesting to see. Maybe they already exist, but yeah. it would be interesting to see some parallels, yeah. some discussion around this parallel. Yeah. Um, between what's going on and what happened then. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there is this other like parallel there, parallel, a word from P, um, around um, how also the governments kind of prioritize health and uh, well-being of, of people who suffer versus profits and versus like conventional kind of, I don't know, um, morality and all this shit. So there, there are some interesting kind of parallels. Of course, there are also some significant differences. But yeah, I think especially because I have in mind the UK context or this whole idea. Okay, you have to go back to work now, so Pret doesn't go uh, out of business, and this kind of like complete, like psychotic um, pandemic kind of policy making. Mm. It's like 
completely inhumane and completely kind of ignoring this notion of like care and of community anyway i mean in maybe in a way what we're seeing then mm. is the fact that what happened to <coughs> the taster mm. the late 80s early 90s taster mm. of the suffering of the queers um has actually reached mainstream proportions mm. and it's now that what what was once believed that wouldn't happen to anybody yeah now it can actually happen to anybody like the 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 whole you know supposed societies of care and and so on it's yeah. just crumbling and it's not there any longer yeah and maybe it will be you know maybe we are we are to to see uh, to to enter a period where we will once remember remember when there used to be healthcare for example yeah although some people will say that in the first few months of the pandemic of the um, covid pandemic like when there was fear and when people were like actually f- like kind of trying to figure out what's going on there were like forming some like new communities of care and in, in neighborhoods they would help people who couldn't get out of their house to get their medicine stuff like that mm-hmm. and kind of reminds me you know with with the AIDS crisis HIV AIDS crisis when like you know for the first time for example lesbians and gay men kind of formed these communities of solidarity that historically were not that present before that but at the same time i feel like now and we are like six months into this pandemic i think this is this all kind of initial kind of turn towards care and communities kind of disappearing really rapidly i don't believe in communities when they're so abstract right when they're just like you know like the indignados let's go on the street but we all have a slightly different political agenda because we're generally kind of um Mm. i think lesbians and gays is a slightly different thing of course of course very different um that was a very light uh, segment around the pangolin and the pandemic i I don't know the p words seem to be all quite you know serious oh well Song. Song.
We're back. We're back with another word. More words from P. <coughs> yeah, it's um. Let's lighten up a little bit. Lighten up. I mean, w- uh, before you were st- we were talking about the pangolin. It didn't end up so light. No. Um. It's tragic though to be a pangolin if you think about it, because it has like now this mini. No, it's villain. great. It's great. They will stop eating them. Ah. If I was a pangolin, I would be like, yes. This is the best PR move like <laughs> of the <laughs> pangolin species <laughs> in a thousand years. <laughs> PR, by the way. <laughs> pangolin relations. <laughs> um, You're right, yes. It's a, the history of Chinese people eating uh, like uh, uh, wild animals is quite interesting, by the way. But whatever, it's not to be discussed today. <coughs> ihr meint, ihr seid schon im automatischen Zeitalter. So weit ist es noch nicht. Dazu fehlt noch die Verbindung der Atomenergie mit den Elektronen. Na, zum Wagen entweder das Pferd.
Let's talk about something else. Okay. No, no more pangolins. Let's talk about pop culture. Oh, mm. pop culture. Mm-hmm. You have a troubled relationship with pop culture. I have culture. such a troubled relationship with I pop think culture. You have, like, your relationship with pop culture is the most troubled of all of your Of everybody I know. <laughs> yes. or, or of all my relationships. Yeah, because you have this attraction and repulsion and like these cycles of attraction and repulsion that is kind of like changing shape every few years it's it's intense but how can it not be that i mean for most people it's not (laughs) most people it's okay whatever no but knowing what i'm interested in which is you know notions of the avant-garde and the construction and politics and art and you know uh, communication it's like it screams problematic relationship with <laughs> pop music, doesn't okay. it? At the beginning, there was a door, no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, in my in my in my BA, I wrote an, an essay about Bjork, mm. and I I ended it saying Theodore Adorno was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> As you should, like <laughs> yeah. As you should. Did did the ma- the the market? The they gave me a first. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. They gave me a first. I mean, it's I quite a bold statement. It's for a real bold BAS. statement. But he n- no, I mean that was like the, you know, <laughs> the the fun part of it. I actually had some arguments. Yeah. Um, but 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 I think in the nineties, to be fair to you, there was a real kind of struggle. <laughs> between pop music for example yeah pop or pop culture and non-pop culture let's focus the music like pop music versus non-pop music no yeah of of course there was a i i I have inherited uh not only the 90s but also greek cultures at the time yeah relationship with pop music with pop with pop culture in general because there weren't really hybrids of pop and interesting that much. Right. The, the, uh, the, 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 there, there wasn't anything remotely like Lemonade. Because, mm. you know, there was Bjork, but Bjork was nowhere near as famous as Beyonce. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you, you either, you know, th- th- it, was, it was a clearer space, like, mm. between the people who are doing complex things and the people who are doing pop you know it was it's it's an interesting time because you know one can think that um the beatles actually ended up being quite an experimental band exactly yeah being the most popular um band in the world and yet they ended up being very experimental so it almost seems like somehow this kind of hybrid was invented and then left and kind of returned in a way in your generation right um where there were a lot of i think hybrids and i don't just mean about music also film and so on and tv the return of tv was very unexpected yeah like a pop medium with 
some sort of claim to complexity. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, in the in the late nineties, early zeros, we thought TV was over. Yeah, we could never imagine that TV could come back with such a vengeance. So, what are we now with pop culture? I used to be a snobbish elitist avant-gardist before I met you yeah. and yeah. some other people from your generation. And you convinced me that there is something there that I need to look into. And I did. I mean, because, you know, the internet culture at the time was producing lots of, you know, content and you know, memes and proto-memes and something seemingly interesting and pop and and discourse around <coughs> pop yeah. culture a lot of discourse a lot, a lot of, of discourse, analysis right right yeah um i mean after all i studied cultural studies and and you know that you know we we actually talked about pop culture all the time mm-hmm. it's not like it was strange to me and neither is that i come from uh, i don't know I, I, w- I wasn't studying archaeology or musicology which are you know anti-pop fields absolutely um but I always were afraid, was afraid of the relationship between pop and populism. Uh, rightly so, uh, no. That's my fear, and I think, I think, I think, I don't know where you stand in terms of that. I mean, I have my questions, <laughs> increasingly more as as years pass. You know, because there is one thing to say, you know. Don't dis- disregard Beyonce because her work is actually has l- many layers and can be very inspiring. And you know, by you know by dismissing pop culture, you're basically dismissing culture produced by people who are marginalized, etc., etc., etc. But getting to a point that I feel like people are so harsh with each other, but then there is this kind of pop culture that is kind of beyond criticism because if you criticize it your elitist mm-hmm. is really bizarre no yeah, yeah. it's like if, if and, you and the question is how wha- between beyonce and donald trump where are we w- well it's exactly where we are <laughs> between beyonce and donald trump but do we need more uh points of reference is the question uh, that also like because in terms of like you know capitalism is a big part of our pro- problems and uh and t- pop culture is like you know, even in, in its most brilliant moments, it's very much kind of embedded in processes of like, you know, profit making. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of weird that we are, especially for the left, to have like such an uncritical kind of uh, dealing with all things pop. It's on one hand, I get it. I get how we get here. And it was Im- really important to get here because, mm. you know, we're... We uh, we started this show by you know dissing the elitism of uh, the f- the imagination the fantasy of poetry by some you know academic uh, idiots yeah um, and 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 uh, f- so of course I'm I'm all for the you know mm. the construction of the academic heaviness and uh, you know yeah and 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 the Dadaist or Fluxus claim that everything can be art and so on. But yeah, there is a certain sense of immunity, it seems now, to pop culture. Mm. Um, using, uh, fu- fusing identity politics with the whole uh, elitist thing. 
Yeah. And, you know, one could say, well, yeah, but that could also result in an age of stupidity, really. Or in some sort of, like, almost a Maoism kind of, like, I don't know, hating all kinds of, like, intellectual... Anti-intellectualism. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I mean, you you watch a lot of pop trash TV, for example. Mm. Um, A lot. Why? <laughs> a big silence. Um, okay, there is a part of me that like is, you know, doing these cultural studies, whatever, like appreciating certain aspects of this. But to be honest, the biggest reason is because you know when I come back from work and I'm tired, I just want some mindless form of entertainment. Okay. Yeah. So it's really Walter Benjamin. No, it's going back. <laughs> it's, it's really going back to that, you know. Yeah. No matter what we say and how many articles we share on on Facebook or like, you know, in the end of the day, that's the function. That's the function of like pop entertainment. Like, and it's it's still there. I don't know. Of course, and it will always be there because always, as long as there is capitalism, it's going to have this function. Yeah. As long as people have to come back from work stressed and tired and overworked and yeah. not really liking their job so much and so on yeah which you you know might have to do with capitalism might have to do with the human condition the human condition i don't know but as long as there is this of course there will be the whole you know we need to switch off and in order to switch off we need something which is you know which requires less of us mm. than more of us yeah. But my problem is that is, is how this new generation sort of ended up confusing the complex discussions around what pop culture could be yeah. and could signify with what it actually is. You know, it's a little bit we've lost the yeah. you know we've lost the the, the the actual text here and we've gone into just the subtext really yeah i mean at the same time there are all these artists who use the pop forms and they use these new channels they have online to to you know to share their work and they do really interesting things like sophie and you know so i don't know there, there is still something interesting happening um no and I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't interesting things happening i think there are very many interesting things happening yeah all i'm saying is that um somehow or maybe I, I might be wrong I don't mm. know but I'm I'm getting a feeling that the um, the over over um, um, analysis of pop phenomena yeah has led people from your generation who would otherwise have a stronger interest in more complex yeah. forms of yeah. expression to not guiltily just deal with the pop stuff yeah this is this what is, I mean. This is true. And you, you, you see it in discussions around the canon. So people would be like, oh, you know, James Joyce, whatever, like, you know, white male uh, canon. But like, instead of trying to find, I don't know, the equivalent of like, you know, women and people of color who kind of deal with innovative, uh, with, you know, um, innovative forms, for example, in writing, mm-hmm. y- you 
then go to the other side and you'll just embrace pop culture uh, like diversity mm-hmm. and it's not the same it's like I agree with you yeah we need to problematize the canon but you cannot compare like the canon with you know Netflix because that's it's a different function yeah it's, it's a like different function exactly this is exactly what I mean and and I and I think it's a bit like it also has to do with a certain maybe phase of melancholy that your generation is going through after thinking that you have access to this huge amount of material yeah um, which is a false belief of internet utopian utopianists yeah that you know oh as long as it's all out there we will eventually reach it mm. which is a you know it's almost like a class analysis that that, that does not take into into you know into consideration what class actually means it's a mm. bit like a thatcherist kind of understanding of everybody could be rich if yeah, they try exactly exactly and everybody could be informed if they try yeah and it isn't like that it of is course not, of course yeah and that's that's why i have this troubled relationship with pop culture at the moment mm. or in general maybe uh, o- and that's the one of the reasons why i embraced it that why i, I embrace it strategically in many cases so yeah. for example at any point i am with you know, heavy poets, I will bring in pop culture to annoy them and dismantle the, you know, what I think is actually conservatism. Yeah. But at the same time, I am cautious about it because I think it does have the tendency to also create, uh, you know, to, to, to create things that are dull and, and, uh, and that are not really that interesting and, and to give people... Um, you know, uh, little. Yeah, yeah. In terms of communicative potential. Yeah, and also transformational potential. Like because exactly. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you. <laughs> okay, we are in agreement. After a few years, we found. Yeah, yeah, our show used to be about us arguing about things. I find that we are like losing our edge. Are we? Like, can we have a song? Yes.
drink, the kids were on the swing set, and Donald was making hot dogs and hamburgers. All of a sudden, I looked over at him, and his, his face began to twitch, and then he started barking. ABC of it a letter P. Yes. What a letter. A so many journey. words. We don't we don't know what to choose. It's a bit like such it's like in between O and Q, which are such difficult letters. Yeah, and, and it's this it's oasis like of communication. A buffet. <laughs> buffet. <laughs> anyway. We have so many words. Maybe we should have two like uh <laughs> shows. <P> shows. <laughs> no. No. Whatever. Um we the FITA headquarters always follow the rules always follow the rules and also we need to finish at some point with this project and then we can start the Greek alphabet <laughs> no no who cares about Greece yeah then we don't have even listeners from this dumb country they don't uh, speak English they don't so speak uh, concept concept they definitely don't speak concepts you go to the taxi in Athens you say <laughs> I want you to take me. <laughs> I don't know what you want to say. And I'm trying to help you with a stupid joke and it's not working. <laughs> it's not I'm I'm trying. I'm trying but <laughs> your brain will start like <laughs> boiling. But the, <laughs> the point is that you what you encounter in the taxi this is the level of conceptual rigor you will find in academia, find the art art. world, um, the business world, activism, activism. Yes. it's the same. Yes. Low. Very low. <laughs> Thanks <Fl> for <laughs> explaining. <laughs> Floral. It has some flair, <laughs> yeah. some eccentricity, some ambition. In, in the fine art world, no eccentricity. Ah, no. It's worse in, than in, the taxi it's driver. worse than the taxi drivers, yeah. It's like the ticket machine in the airport. <laughs> yeah, it's the... At least the ticket machine at the airport knows what it's doing. <laughs> it's reliable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Let's go to the word of, the, um, of this segment, okay? Yeah. The word of this segment is punk. Punk. Yeah, punk. Ah, uh, punk. 
Do we like punk? Generally, we do. It's also the, on the other side of pop culture, but not really. No, not really. <laughs> punk is pop. Yeah. Um, I mean, punk is a lot of things because it also can be seen as a strategy for seeing life. I mean... Yeah. It's like... Five years ago, I saw this uh, Halberstam presentation mm. um, where he did say that we need more punk in queerness. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was really, really nice. But we can talk... Uh, you know what? Let's talk about this when we talk about queer. Okay. Because I think we Next will week. stop on the word queer for quite some time. Yeah. Loads uh, to unpack there. But of course, if I talk about punk, you know that my intense love is post-punk. Yeah, which is still which you starting also, from P. <laughs> which is also starting from P, and which you also really like as an aesthetic, as a period, yeah. as as, as a music. And also before I met you, you know, that was one of our like... Yeah, you, you used to, I mean, o- almost instinctively DJ a lot of post-punk things mixed with pop and so on. Exactly, yeah. And somehow to you it made sense, you know, uh, to play... S- pop songs of your time together with post-punk songs of then mm. so there's ob- you obviously had some kind of you, yeah. you thought that they had something similar going on an immediacy mm. or something like this I have this interest you know in this period from the late 70s to the early 80s and I play a lot of music from that yeah most of the for this show I, especially I, I, for this show I, I choose are, are from that period because I think it was a really interesting investigation of this pop fo- formula of the whole thing that you know um mm. we want to be communicative mm. and yet at the same time we want to be uh, eccentric yeah um and a lot of pop a, lo- a lot of post-punk bands came from art schools and right had, uh, you know there were very many women and you know it was it was a uh, i think a really interesting period because I grew up, you know, in the 90s and, and, you know, or I was a teenager in the 90s and there was so much of this kind of, you know, like um, thinking music has to be really serious and really heavy and so on. Yeah. And post-punk is really not that. It's it's so much about like actually, you know, being loud and angry and, and at the same time being complex and, and, and um, mm. you know... Like it inherited the best things of punk, yeah, which is you know, which is the immediacy, which is that you know, everybody can play music and yeah, so on, the, the lack of um, you know, virtuosity, virtuosity, and, and you know, the, the focus on craft and so on. And it banked on it, uh, a conceptual understanding from the fine art world, right? And the result was brilliant, it was a really, really nice period, I so think. Also, oh, and also there was a really important technological thing which yeah. had to do with the fact that synthesizers became really cheap. Right. And um, some major companies like Korg and Roland released like homemade synthesizers. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, you know, you didn't need like a studio to have a band. You could have a band in your living room, mm. which of course found itself, uh, found a second phase, I think, in the mp3 times yeah. you know the post laptop uh, studio situation studio, yeah. of the zeros um and maybe you know what maybe part of the reason why your generation was particularly interested in post-punk whereas mine wasn't mm-hmm. like it almost forgot it um is because you lived through a diy renaissance 
Totally, yeah. And you kind of like looked back to see who else was doing the whole DIY thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I run this website for anybody who might not know it. Yeah, we will include the link. Which is called Oddities, P-P-O-D-D dot info. Mm-hmm. And there you can find a lot of bands and 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 also I I I, I attempt a little analysis of of the pieces and so, so on. you 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 do a little bit of a, not a little bit you do a lot of archival work when it comes to these particular scenes. Yes, and I mean also for our the people who are like listening to us, you know the music in this podcast is is selected by you and largely kind of coming from your kind of. Um, you know the records you have been collecting mm-hmm. over the years mm-hmm. so i when did you start like collecting these records and and do you remember wh- what was the thinking behind that like when you started why did i want to collect records yeah but like this particular of period this time. yeah i don't know S- somehow i felt that they i mean when i start collecting the the records of this period it wasn't so much it wasn't so hip Right. So I was doing it as a sort of, you know, justice mm-hmm. of of what was. I have this thing, and you know that very well. Mm-hmm. I have this thing about the way history is written. Yeah. Um, it, it, it you know it go. I was thinking before when you said, for example, that people say, "Oh, uh, we don't like James Joyce," but they don't suggest something else. They don't give the same space mm-hmm. to another poet mm-hmm. that they'd like to you know to to get that space and i have this i i think you know i uh, i i i once made this facebook post about oh if you don't like this and this and this mm. you know about people who sometimes get bashed like uh, lady gaga or uh, i don't know uh, marina bramovic or something like that why not try this uh, yeah and and I I, and that. for each one of the possibly bashed people i suggested an alternative mm. A kind of giving them space in history, mm. um, because, for example, uh, when when there were the whole when there was recently the whole issue about Morrissey being an asshole and and politically being really problematic and so on, I immediately found this an opportunity to say, hey, what about listening to Ludus, which uh, was run by little was one one of the persons who was Linda Sterling, this incredible artist was actually a good friend of Morrissey in the 80s mm. and who really influenced the Smiths. Um, but, you know, and that connects with the previous one and it's funny, she was also the first person who did a meat dress, mm. talking about Lady Gaga alternatives. <laughs> yeah. And and um, and also someone who's done some beautiful pro- proto-feminist, you know, uh, post-punk songs. Mm. But like and not beautiful really collages also. and and wonderful collages, mm. yeah. Just ge- in general, incredible, incredible artists mm. all, all round, and and people don't really pay attention to her work, mm. and and so we we have the whole we you know we don't g- want to give the space to Morrissey, but what about giving it to someone else yeah. that could cause similar sensations? One could say, or you know, and and and. and that's I think that's what that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to go into this period because I'm I'm I like to discover all these bands that had the dream of deconstructing pop music but for one reason or another their dream wasn't the dream that was to happen right um it's something to do I guess with uh, 
with an interest in the avant-garde, mm. but at the same time also an interest with those who did, you know, were not from the expressionist kind of non-communicative part of the avant-garde. Yeah. You know, those who actually wanted to communicate and, and you know, deconstruct pop, mu- pop culture. But I think there is this performativity that it's th- this like the added thing because at the same time, you know, there were like these modernist avant-garde. I mean, that were I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm basically what I'm thinking is like serious music. Yes, that is kind of like deconstructing pop mu- pop music. Ah, but it's not really deconstructing pop music, right? Serious music is not interested in pop music. It doesn't. Exist it doesn't exist. It. Yeah, it it's, it's exist. a different thing. It yeah. doesn't exist. And when I'm talking about serious music, I don't. I don't just mean the places where they they use serious music. Like for example, um, the, the places where they they use serious music as a term, like yeah. musicology, referring to orchestral music or, mm, or mm. choral music or something like that. I mean, also in places like. Um, Field recordings, yeah. experimental sound art, or like and or or even noise, noise or music, something yeah. like this. These are places that mostly they they're not interested in the concept of the communicative potential of pop music. Mm. Yeah, um, there are very many things that that make. Uh, of course, you said performance, etc., etc. There are very many things that make the post-punk era interesting for me. Yeah, um, but let, let's wrap it up here. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. I mean. For me, like you know, I, I've because I used to listen to like flexi pop and all kinds of like synth pop and stuff uh, from the era, but I never thought about it. So when I met you, you kind of introduced all of these um, themes, and, and I, it kind of, of made sense. And of course, I can you know I could go on <coughs> endlessly about the importance of post punk, you know, politically. Mm. Um, we are, after all, talking about an era that has to do with the way in which Thatcher changed modern politics. Mm. You know, the post-punk kids saw everything that is the birth of neoliberalism. Mm. You know, they saw uh, early technology, they saw this and they saw that. They are they, they really lived on, on a time that really shaped some quite fundamental things that st- are still around today. Yeah, but at the same time, an, an era of relative prosperity, kind of. Well, yeah, Com- comparing to now, yes, um, but also, you know, minor strikes and this and, and that. And cri- yeah, and wars and crises. It wasn't exactly, yeah, there was a prosperity, but there was also a very c- clear change from the 60s and the 70s where there was a period, you know, it was a period where they were testing the whole society of care thing. Mm-mm. You know, the 80s, started a little bit you know they with the whole Thatcher Reagan Reagan thing it, mm. it, it really things became more serious let's say you know the whole yeah. mask of oh we are the west you know we are the societies of the west that care about things it started being a bit like oh really do you um and before we wrap up this I, I know you have this particular like particular time frame so you your archival project is starting at 87 and or like 78, 78 yeah. always dyslexia and finishes at around 84 yeah and wha- why is that so, so around that time um, there was um, the whole thing to do with the deconstruction of pop yeah. um, bec- 
became an area of interest to labels right so the mid 80s saw the see the industrialization of uh, pop music many more producers making pop music pop music being the result of research as opposed to of moments of i don't know i mean you probably wouldn't even know and it mm -hmm. would be for you totally crazy that oh superman by laurie anderson unedited was reached number two in the pop charts of the uk in <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's an eight minute song like that has Britney the Spears. sound uh, 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 <laughs> I mean you know yeah that actually that sort of mistake that sort of glitch could actually happen in the pop charts up to the point right um, I'm not f romanticizing a peri period but the whole uh, that the you know there is something to that possibility that mm -hmm. something like that was played in daytime r radio mm. in prime prime time radio mm -hmm. because it reached the charts Mm. So things were left a little bit less to a to an algorithm, if you want. Yeah. And now we're going into a next phase, which is that you know a machine could actually try to write the successful song. Mm. I mean, I don't think it's gonna work because okay, the human human nature is not that simple, even when it goes to manufactured music. Mm. But you know, mm. it's a bit like that. You mm -hmm. know, we 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 are through that period and uh, I'm not saying that pop music is not important it's just that its function changes yep. and that glitches like oh superman are they possible any longer and if it's not like the algorithm who is writing it could be the algorithm that is suggesting like with spotify like the music you get you get to hear to, to listen to is yeah. coming through some like kind of automated kind of uh, mm -hmm. processes and uh, and yeah, that's why the my interest in in that period finishes around the the mid eighties. I was really great. I'm I'm really pleased we did this. Sorry if I if I nerded out I too mean, much. I mean, come on! It was a time like it's letter P. We have post punk. It's because music is such an important part of of this podcast anyway. And I think you know most of the ten listeners really appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> like okay. finding out this new music through this show and I think you know you never really had the opportunity to actually talk about this um, in the in the in the podcast mm -hmm. so I think it was something that was long overdue and on this note a beautiful post-punk song to follow yay <laughs> Gibst du mir Steine, geb ich dir Sand. 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 Gibst du mir Wasser, rühr ich den Kalk. Gibst du mir Wasser, rühr ich den Kalk. Gibst du mir Wasser, rühr ich den Kalk. Gibst du mir Wasser, rühr ich den Kalk.
What a great song. You love this song, don't you? I really love this song. It's one of the songs that I, I found through you. You were playing uh, to your parties, mm-hmm. um, to the parties you were running with uh, with Alex in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited about it because it's like really, really dancey. And so strange. And so strange. <laughs> yes. Which is a really rare thing. In, in This is exactly... I mean, Palacio Hamburg is a fantastic example of what I was talking about before. Mm. They, th- this is not, you know, beard scratching avant-garde music. It's mm-hmm. really frontal. It's really dancey. It's really bright. Mm. And yet it's so deconstructed. Yeah, the rhythmical. And it's, it's rhythmically, it's whatever. And like... The orchestration of it is mm. like whatever drums and trumpet and some strange <laughs> noises in the synthesizer, yeah, and a very strange way of singing. And the text itself is kind of and, and complex, a, yeah, and a strange text, but also kind of forward text about mm. building a new city and so on. Mm. And also, it's a reference to a piece by a modernist composer, Paul Hindemith, who has the same piece. and I, I, just complex just complex yeah amazing amazing song anyway and a really hot singer <laughs> yeah you find them babes as well, don't well you? I, I really i really <laughs> fancy them um, um so um let's take another word another word so many words today uh from p i think we've really exhausted post-punk and yeah Let's go to something else. Mm-hmm. And now for something completely different. Uh, to completely. Well, hmm. um, so do you know the feminist um, slogan? The personal is political. <laughs> Which is like, you know, f- a very seminal kind of, you know, political uh, kind of statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes with second, fav- uh, second wave feminism. And introduces this idea um, that you know there is the political sphere, which is in the public sphere, many pieces there, uh, but there is also like you know what's happening in our houses that is equally as important, and it, it, it should be equally as politicized, and 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 yeah, basically this this notion of of politicizing the personal kind of everyday lives. Um, I like that you're bringing in the house thing because I think that also s- somehow fits with the whole pandemic and right. the importance of the house as uh, the private and the public. Also, yeah, it's uh, that's what I meant. That, uh, that 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 you know, like we had to stay in the house and so on. Mm. But also, wha- exactly what you said. Where are we now with regards to this 
motto where does this kind of phrase stand in the era of facebook yeah exactly so where you know because you're talking about a time where okay the, like the, the public was a bit more public and the private was a bit more private and the, the separation was also quite sharp like That's what i meant when i said the public was the public and the private was the public private was the private <laughs> you didn't have to say that the separation was sh- sharp it was what i meant yeah, but I want to <laughs> focus on the distinction, <laughs> not in the qualities. <laughs> I mean, okay, there were always, like, for for sure, there were, there were always gray areas, I guess. Like, for example, is, um, you know, is a, an assembly, a public or a private space, a small assembly of 10 people that run a project mm. space? You mean in the 70s or in the... In, in the, the 70s, for example. Or now, it's kind of an in-between space. Yeah, really. yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but uh, n- nothing, I don't think, that I, uh, no example that I can think before Facebook has messed up with this, before social media has messed this up more. I don't know, maybe like Big Brother or something like that. Like the first uh, reality shows. Interesting, yes. Yes, for sure, there was something there. Like non-scripted, popular TV or whatever. I mean, it's not the same. I'm just thinking of like, what are the the different steps, if if you might, in this? Because now we are in this like zone, basically, of like everything is political. But this is a mainstream assumption, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, The way we speak, the way we talk to each other, the way we relate, the way we fuck. yeah, the way we embody ourselves, the way we occupy our bodies, is pretty much like exhaustively. It's, it's really exhausting. <laughs> but let's not let's not like open it up that much and look right. into the you know the the, the I because I, I think there my main problem starts with this distinction be- between the personal between the private and the public because okay. if the personal is political, mm-hmm. what how is the personal defined? What is personal? Is you mean like logically speaking, when yeah. you make an equation, yeah, you you lose um, the distinction basically. Yeah, and also what you know, I'm I'm I'm, I don't know. I I feel that people are always ready to be public. Exactly. This is what I mean. That you know the the. Um, We've lost the sense that some things are not public. Yeah. Um, and that there is a complexity in the privacy of relationships that cannot easily translate when they become public. Yeah, absolutely. And like at any point, like a private matter could become this, you know, open discussion with a community of people, like almost like, you know. If there is some sort of conflict, for example, like uh, yeah, but even before the conflict, you know, the the this continuous publicity of what we eat right. and you know what we daily do and these, you know, the whole the the, the keeping up with the um, with the what 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 are called not posts the other ones the stories the stories. I mean, what is the story really? But like I I say conflict because it becomes like troublesome once there is judgment and violence and 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 you know because when but it's when just sharing when, when the whole point of social media is right. to continuously 
add people in your in your private mm. life, mm. conflict will happen. Yeah. This is what I mean. I'm not I'm not going into some kind of hysteria about privacy yeah, and yeah, so yeah. on. Another P word. Yes. I, I'm not I'm not from the transmediale people. I don't <laughs> I don't care and I don't hide my passwords from the internet. <laughs> Password, I mean, another P word. Yes. I mean, I mean that, that you know, when when, when your life <laughs> you know, when 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 you're when the way you we, we use social media includes so many people yeah. It's only a question of time until it becomes, uh, until some kind of Armageddon of of people inventing your life happens. And then I think what you say, basically, the next logical step is like, if you lose the distinction between personal and social, Mm -hmm. uh, then you might like like also uh, risk losing the distinction between personal relationships and thoughts like internal and external reality you know like i've i've read for example to give to make it more specific i've read articles about like oh if you have racist thoughts you know it's you you have a part of yourself that's racist you know and that you, you need to almost exercise this kind of like <laughs> you know um you know not only the personal is political but the, um, the subconscious, the subconscious is, political. is political. And of course it is. You know, in both statements, we're not disputing the reality of them. I think I dispute the morali- the moralism behind this. Like, because of course, if you live in a racist society, it's very like, there might be a racist thought coming to your mind that you are like, what the fuck? Where did that this come from? Like, you know, like almost a reflex. Um, and I'm not saying that that's also g- a good thing, you know. I'm not saying, okay, whatever, you know, you're a racist, um, deal with it. But I'm saying, like, when you start moralizing about these things, it's kind of dodgy, you know, because it's like... Yeah, it, certain, it certainly doesn't help you to consciously deal, deal with it. Yeah. And also it's like simply uh, like oversimplifying p- like complex processes all at all times to create some sort of, like you know uh, acceptable uh, narrative for yourself mm-hmm. um, and narrative and also social performance another yeah, key word yeah <laughs> performance we call we talk a lot today about um because obviously it's key um in all different <laughs> issues yeah i mean because you know it's like and, and okay now to bring it back to the mm. original thing the personal is political um we have the first question which is the personal what mm-hmm. is the personal mm-hmm. and then we have the second question which is what is the political um. and and i have reached the conclusion <laughs> the conclusion <laughs> or okay maybe it's not a conclusion but, but i am flirting mm-hmm. with saying that the personal is not political mm. and that we are at a time where we have to back off from the personal a little bit. Yeah. To find something else in the political. And also there is this political out there that it's it's not necessarily a personal responsibility, for example. Yeah, this is what I mean. Yeah. yeah. That while we are dealing with the personal and like scratching each other's wounds mm. and like 
you know, like analyzing and analyzing mm-hmm. and analyzing, the extreme right just reigns and takes over everything. Yeah. And before we realize, we lose everything that we have fought for for like ten decades, for example. Mm. I agree. Um, I agree with you. I don't know if it sounds pragmatist or something like this, but it's you know it's I really feel that we are, you know, that this whole personal thing has has really confused us. Uh, that we are in a in an in, in a navel gazing of our personal issues, and we ne- we need to rethink of the political in terms of like you know, urgent kind of crisis and ar- urgent problems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's okay. We can discuss the, p- the personal <laughs> um, also, but like not lose the, the, like, I think not lose the big picture, I think, uh, which is something that's kind of cliche, but kind of crucial at this point. Crucial. And, and, it's just really difficult to to say that there is a big picture, especially in identity politics. Mm. Like, who are you to judge? What is the big picture, and so on. Yeah, of course, but that's that's the main thing. Like, if you say this thing, the people will be like, "You're you're privileged." Yeah, but okay. B word. Yeah, <laughs> but like, like half of English words start with a P. This is a bit of silly language. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, whatever. Like uh, it be people can say that, but because we're <laughs> we're not there, we can disagree. Yeah. So we disagree. We disagree. Life water 
we're back with the philosopher of the week. Oh, the philosopher of the week. I like that we say of the week. It's like <laughs> whereas like <laughs> special. It's like no. Well, one could say that it's the philosopher of this week. Of this it week. It doesn't mean that the next one will be next week. It will be in a week that comes after this. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we will have two episodes in one week if you ask me for sure from <laughs> now on oh no from now on we will i don't even think we will have one episode per, per week. week but i think even back in the day we did one every two weeks did we i think i don't remember i don't remember either anyway the letter p very prolific in philosophy but we <laughs> we chose to focus on the big p the big P. Yeah, the big P. The P word. The P, the the P, P word. word of philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Which is Plato. Platonus. Oh, dear. Oh, do you know Platon? Do you know that guy? Yeah. You know, first of all, I have to say, as Fita, we have a very troubled, <laughs> troubled relationship <laughs> with the ancient Greeks. In general. For with example, I think of the three great tragic poets yeah one which is, is shit which is Aeschylus uh, Euripides and Sophocles yes Aeschylus I think is shit <laughs> Euripides filler material filler ma- no, no no like annoying oh yeah actively bad actively bad um, Euripides I think is half okay and half trash <laughs> but like you think um, the same for um, and Sophocles, I think is so. Euripides is basically um, what's the Spanish name? Um, Almodovar of the ancient. It's totally <laughs> Almodovar of the ancient times. Yeah, it's totally Almodovar of the ancient times. I feel about him exactly <laughs> the same as I feel about Almodovar. Yeah. Like too much fuss about very little content, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sophocles, I think, is the better of the three. Mm-hmm. Um. But he could camp it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a little bit about Sophocles. I feel <laughs> a little bit like I feel about, I don't know, the 90s. <laughs> it's a bit dated. It's kind of relevant, but not really. It's a bit emo. <laughs> you know, it, but, but, but if I had to pick it's like some sentences that never has spoken <laughs> before in history. Yeah. Uh, Sophocles is a bit like the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that if I had to choose of the three, I'm definitely with him, and I think much more interesting characters and so on. And Aristophanes, the comedian, fascist. Yeah, he's a bit trashy. No, and we were we were reading the other day about the all these. Don't you remember about in the Dionys- of the Dionysian stuff? Uh, you know, like the games. Yeah, the, games the Eurovision. The, <laughs> the Eurovision of the times of how many other people were participating mm. whose work has been lost and i'm thinking such a pity that we only have the madonnas of the time and we don't have the mias of the time and yeah. how much more interesting work could there be, have and been and to be uh, fair like uh, it's like the curation of which plays were saved etc is done by medieval monks so you know, yeah yeah i mean exactly like, exactly it's not they quite like the mo- the, the <laughs> moment they saw something po- post and meta and so on, they would be like, "No, bin that. We don't need that." Like bring in, you know, whatever Oedipus. <laughs> whatever. Bring in Oedipus <laughs> because I like it sexually. 
because <laughs> it tingles my innards. Yes. Um, going back to Plato. Yes, sorry. Um, I, I like that. Th- that was a disclaimer that, we know, we might be talking about Plato, but we don't support the Golden Dawn. Yeah, but like we actually, in our first big uh, public artwork that was called The Hundred Worst Greeks, Plato was one featured. of the <laughs> featured. And not only that, but I remember there was a really indignant um, uh, man who was attending the exhibition and he really hated that what we've done. <laughs> like and he could you? said, you? you, you, Fita, you are worse than Plato. You are even worse than Plato. And we were like, okay. <laughs> That's a great, a great insult. Thank you. So a few things about Plato. Uh-huh. Homo. Was he homo, you think? <laughs> I mean, Socrates was a big homo, but like, we can deduce that he liked it in the bum. Did he? Yes, I say it. It's correct. Okay. If people disagree, they can write us on the email. So uh, b- b- the reason I mentioned that, the sexuality, is it has to do with us like having a really hard time with the ancient Greeks. Um, because in the school recipe, they present this in the Greek uh, educational system, you know, you get this really weird version of the ancient Greece that's really conforming to the Greek nationalist uh, myth. Uh-huh. For example, I remember being taught uh, the symposium written by Plato um, and not talking about homosexuality, which is like, like really hard to do. <laughs> It's like half well, of they the. They talk about Kavafi without homosexuality. Which so is they have no limits. They have no limits. They have no limits. They have no limits because you know, straight wash. Yeah. Straight washing because like symposium is you know largely about Al- Alcibiades coming and complaining about Socrates rejecting him sexually. So it's like, how can you make this into a story about abstractly about love? Where is it's quite explicitly about m- men fucking each other. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so there is like the symposium, uh, which is like a really, really, really interesting text. And I've read, like, for me, the only way to act to, to deal with it is by reading it in English. So mm, it's okay. kind of removed from as the. As a gay drama. <laughs> yeah, as a gay drama removed from the Greek context, mm-hmm. I can imagine these people being like in Somerset or something. <laughs> like oh, <laughs> you even changed the location. Having a great time. <laughs> and being like, oh, no, 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 you know, like eccentric upper class Englishman <laughs> with his pretentious Greek names. <laughs> anyway, so I think, you know, like I think for us to kind of we approach Greek antiquity we need some sort of like distanciation methods Mm -hmm. but then there is something there you know there is something interesting not in Aeschylus (laughs) (laughs) no in Plato but on the other hand Plato is also a fascist so I mean we legit like like it's legit putting him in the worst Greeks like his idea of of governance for example is aristocratic ah Maybe you like that now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you like that now. How is Politia in, 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 in English? It's his other major work. Yeah, I mean... Mm, um, but can I say something more 
if you <laughs> don't have much to add <laughs> uh, about Plato's dialogues I really like um, that he wrote most of his philosophy in this form of dialogues it's like it's really weird it's very theatrical it's very meta so he has characters di- like uh, representing different voices mm-hmm. it's kind of creative writing really. it is creative writing it's like uh, and philosophically kind of the only way to capture Socrates also kind of style of, of, of fi- philosophy as this kind of process that is always about kind of you know different voices and different positions mm-hmm. and also he was not the position in the position of the knowledge but he was in the the interlocutor of like that allowed knowledge to emerge so there are some good stuff and there is some fascism mm-hmm. there is some gayness so that's the <laughs> that's the description of the ancient of ancient Greece in general. <laughs> yes. There are some good fa- stuff, some slavery, some, some, some fascism, <laughs> and a lot of gayness. <laughs> Let's go to a song. Εξιστορήσεις τη ζωή σου συχνά ανταποκρίνομαι με ρίγη στη ραχοκοκαλιά τυλίγομαι σε κουβέρτα πορτοκαλιά γίνομαι συρφετός τυφλός που καταλήγει στην άκρη του τιβανιού του γκρεμού ανίκανο στα δάκρυα και στην ποιήση ζητώντας άλλου είδους όραση. Καθώς είμαστε πια μεγάλα παιδιά που χρειάζονται πολλά δάχτυλα για να μετρήσουν τον πίσω χρόνο, να βυθίσουν μακριά δάχτυλα για να αγγίξουν τον αρχικό πόνο ώστε να μπορούν να διατηρήσουν Εξιστορήσεις τη ζωή σου Συχνά ανταποκρίνομαι Με ρίγη στη ραχοκοκαλιά Τυλίγομαι σε κουβέρτα πορτοκαλιά Γίνομαι συρφετός τυφλός που καταλήγει Στην άκρη του τιβανιού του κρεμού Ανίκανος στα δάκρυα και στην πίεση ζητώντας άλλου είδους όραση τότε μόνο ξαφνικά και ορμητικά έρχεται η επιβίωση και με βάζει σε αναγκαστική απογείωση σε ταχύτητα αμυντική σχεδόν φωτός απομακρύνομαι μέσα σε θόλο και έτσι σε βλέπω φίλε εμάθημη σκιά ενός ρυθμού είτε συμφωνείς είτε διαφωνείς είτε βρεθείς σε αφωνία συμπέχτη στην ίδια συγχωρδία μαζί με εμάς επώνυμο συνθέτη ενός μεγάλου επιτραπέζιου παιχνιδιού που μερικοί το όνομα 
ιστορία και μερικοί το ονομάζουν ιστορία της Ιδονής. So that was it for the day. Wow, It's time flies. Time flies. Thank you very much for being with us in this longish show today, but uh, full of content. Full of content, as always. As A- always. ABC of Ita is like you can listen to it one time and then listen to it again, and more things emerge. And uh, um. Should we finish with like a little word? For a them? little cute word. What would be the little cute word? Uh, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Just after Plato. <laughs> What do you think of pizza? Um, I have um, mixed feelings. You have mixed feelings about pizza? You know how people think that pizza is always, you know, a safe choice. For what? like as a food option that everyone likes pizza mm-hmm. and you know how it's become this in, like because of that it's 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 acquired this space in in corporate culture that when when your boss thinks that people in the office are like a bit down they will bring pizzas mm-hmm. to cheer them up mm-hmm. and this is like so triggering to me in my like last job they would do this and it was cringe and disgusting mm-hmm. Anyway, but can it be? I will bring Ockham to the <laughs> Ockham pizza. Ockham pizza. <laughs> you know Ockham pi- Ockham's pizza? <laughs> It's margarita, basically. Can it be? <laughs> can it be that the reason why you mm. don't like that mm. is because the symbol of pizza as a moment of happy pause mm. is successful. And that you just don't like the this forced happiness. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Or can it be, to go even further, yeah. that pizza is actually happiness, and you don't really like happiness? Because I'm happy. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like that's what you wanna do. Hey, go, uh, happy. Bring me down, can't nothing, happy. 
bring me down. My level's too high, happy, to bring me down. Can't nothing, happy, bring me down. I said, let me tell you now, uh. Bring me down, can't nothing. Bring me down. My level's too high to bring me down. Can't nothing bring me down. I said, because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like that's what you wanna do. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. Hey, go, uh. Bring me down, can't nothing. Bring me down. My level's too high to bring me down. Can't nothing bring me down. I said. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like a